I'm Ashley Betteridge from the Development Policy Centre. Serena Sumanop is Executive Director of The Voice Inc, a Papua New Guinean NGO working with young people. She was recently in Canberra and I caught up with her to have a chat about youth development and empowerment in Papua New Guinea, the gender-based violence issue, including Serena's involvement with the PNG Family and Sexual Violence Case Management Centre, and her plans for the future of her organisation. So I thought I'd just start by asking you if you could tell us a bit about The Voice and the work that it does in PNG. Absolutely. Um, so The Voice is a youth development organisation um, that is based in Port Moresby, that has a, a vision to see generations of young people driven by purpose and confidence of the, in the value of their contribution to their communities, nation and the world. Simply put, there are three things that we, we stand for. Purpose, that all people have a purpose in life um, and that the most important thing is to be confident um, in yourself and in your abilities to, number three, contribute um, and your contribution is not only limited to your communities but will make an impact uh, in, in the nation and, and in the nations of the world and that's merely because we, we live to see the generations. We don't live for ourselves but we always have the generations in mind uh, um, and you pass on legacy with your life so that sort of in a nutshell is uh, our vision. We uh, see that vision um, being outwork through uh, running educational programs with young people young people because they really represent the future and if they're not invested um, into and nurtured uh, then we won't see enough uh, um, actual like we won't see them be able to realize their full potential and especially in environments like um, ours in Papua New Guinea where you know a large number uh, do come from homes where um, because of the, the generation gap and you know cultural barriers it's hard to talk to to parents families and find um, people that can can really speak to them about uh, um, the things they're going through, uh, sit down with them, help them set up goals, uh, um, and and of course work towards you know realizing the value that they have uh, uh, to to be active citizens in their communities. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, when you talk about young people, it's it's very vast. You've got different groups of young people, disadvantaged youth. Um, people living with disabilities, HIV and AIDS, you know, where do you start? We found that, you know, um, we can be most effective at the moment with our capacity and resources, focusing on young people that are in, in schools and universities, mainly because they have a vehicle uh, to use uh, to uh, um, better their lives and, and better, of course, their communities and families. Um, so right now we run uh, leadership programs out of the University of PNG uh, and recently signed an MOU with the University of Technology where we're also running our leadership program there with them. And that right. works through uh, having a, a center for leadership established with the universities, a physical space um, that we invest resources into computers, library books, um, a leadership library, of course couches, places where they can sit and talk. And our leadership program runs um, over a period of three years. With each year they continue to progress through with their academic studies. It's an extracurricular um, program that gets them more ready for jobs and leadership roles in their communities. Um, so that's where we're focused right now. Um, and also on, and campaigning and other things that are affecting young people, drugs, alcohol, um, and how to make more positive choices for your life. Uh, engage them with positive role models. Great. Sounds like um, you're doing a lot. Yeah, we're... Um I say we're, we're doing small things that have big impacts because you never go wrong when you invest into people. That's, that's what I, I believe strongly. Um, it's not a golden rule of our organization. So we work small and concentrate on a few things, but want to do it really, really well. Um, and 
I think we're really feeling a need in, yeah, in society. Yeah. So how long has The Voice been operating? How did it sort of start and yeah. come about? Um, so good question. Uh, 2007, uh, a group of university students came together and realised that education was you know, the most important thing that we could use to change you know, the world around us. So we did a lot of community sort of awareness. Um, university caught on, said this is great, open it up to other students as well, which we did. They gave an office space. Um, we changed the name from Law Awareness Group, which um, is quite, no one would join us, uh, to The Voice because we believe that inside every person is a voice that convicts you to do the right thing and to dream bigger um, and uh, so I always go no we don't sing and no we don't we're not a radio station <laughs> every time we're asked but the voices um, 2010 as momentum began to build leadership team got together and said do we really want to um, continue doing this and building it uh, knowing that it will take great sacrifice uh, uh, if we want to and we came back and said you know why not <laughs> you only have one chance to live so you might as well try your best so uh, we got together um, and said we want to address a problem that isn't being addressed and a lot of people are doing awareness so we said actually not enough are looking um, at structured programs around you know youth development so mm -hmm. that was when we, we worked our vision from being very outward focused to focusing on the individual um, and incorporated our organization uh, had employees working for the organizations 2009 and we fundraised ourselves through dinners and sponsorship and donations basically all the ex-grads went out and worked and gave half their pay to <laughs> support wow. the work um, and then 2011, I was working for uh, Gaydon's Lawyers at that time, and one of our uh, clients happened to be a donor who loved the work that we were doing and said, we will um, give you a grant. Mm. I said, I think I can hand in my resignation now. So, <laughs> uh, 2011 started getting um, grant funding, and from then we've tried different projects and have just been growing from strength to strength. So basically starting with just 30 students at the university, trialing the program, um, to now have already had over 200 young people go through and branched out to two universities, um, strengthen the model, working on our third partnership with the University of Goroka. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's new and it's exciting. And the, the, the power behind it is it's, it's homegrown. So it's driven by Papua New Guineans and suited for the needs of our people. Yeah, fantastic. So how many sort of participants do you have in your mm. leadership program now? Uh -huh. Yep, absolutely. We have um, 30, uh, sorry, 40 students go in uh, at any one time. So right now we'll have 40 at UPNG, 40 at the University of Technology. Um, the uh, with, Within each of the programs, they then are attached with uh, six mentors that mentor small groups um, and are on reading plans and do workshops. So this year we will have... Uh, um, 40 at UPNG, 40 at the University of Technology, and we're looking at having 40 at the University of Goroka, but we're to sign the MOU within the month, so that hasn't been confirmed. Um, but in total, we have about almost 100 young people going through first level, but there are other students going through second and third. So this year, we have 120 students that are on our leadership program um, now in different places in the country. Fantastic. Mm. So you mentioned before some of the challenges facing young people in PNG mm. around alcohol and drugs mm. and things like that. What what uh, are these these young leaders and trainees sort of identifying mm. as some of the issues that most need to be addressed? Yeah, I mean, when you when you think about it, like I think a lot of that just stems from. Um, 
from ignorance and from a sense of hopelessness. Without mm -hmm. having a hope for your future, you normally um, squander, you know, the, the things that you have today, including your health. Uh, um, and I think it also comes back to having um, positive role models. So in terms of like issues that I know young people are becoming increasingly passionate about, things such as corruption, um, access to, I think everyone's getting very, very frustrated with the whole issue of violence uh, um, against women. And it's becoming um, an increasing thing that we're seeing both young boys and young girls take a stand um, and lead on. Uh, we also see um, um, issues of uh, a, a lot of new things are coming in. Um, we, we have social media is becoming a big thing. You know, cyberbullying I know is affecting like a lot of young people uh, as well because when you don't have a lot of avenues to express yourself um, and there are few options that are there a lot of people take to that and when they haven't and do not have enough um, regulation controls guidelines around it a lot of people also become victims of what is actually a good thing so I know that you know these things are becoming increasing concerns um, for young people and I think it is a good thing because it's sort of like an awakening happening across and with that awakening it also you know needs like proper nurturing as well so they know how they can stand up to these issues. We run a campaign every year called Clean Generation Campaign. Last year we had 500 young people um, take part in it and it's, it's a campaign that's centered around talking about issues and um, standing up to be you know like taking a stand to be part of you know a, a generation that um, speaks you know positively you know about our people that um, believe that they have a purpose and that in their generation they don't want to see the things they're seeing is I, I don't as a young man like I will not hit my wife um, as a um, yeah, a, a young person that will be in the public private sector I will not you know stand for I will not, I will stand I will not stand for corruption and it's really important when people actually come together and, and say that because you're seeing that gathering and if we can change the culture around these things you know and then have the systems that enforce it we might see more change mm. yeah it sounds like uh, some really positive steps happening mm. um, do you think that uh, a, a sort of the more traditional leaders mm. starting to mm. take notice of this rising youth voice yeah um, I, I, we do we do have um, a, a number of uh, people like senior leaders that do support and recognize um, our work and sort of the way even culturally um, the way that uh, we are sort of wired to sort of live and communicate with our older people we honor them and I know that that might sound really um, like oh you should be standing up more you should be talking but actually a very big part of our culture is to honor um, those that have gone before and we've got great champions um, and advocates like Sarabi Namavu who is uh, um, the patron of our organization we um, try our best to work across and we see that though they may not fully understand what we are doing um, and even senior bureaucrats, public servants and stuff, they, 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 don't, they don't really understand it, but they go, you know, you kids are doing a good thing um, and keep doing what you're doing, even though we don't really understand what you're doing, you know? Um, and I think it's also, it comes back again to exposure and what they've seen. And um, I see that there is support out there and all we have to continue doing is proving ourselves uh, as we go along. And I always say that the voice isn't really focused on, um, there are a lot of people out there that are advocating for issues. Um, we, we sort of stand to build the alternative, that's what I think, and 
we're more reformers as opposed to you know activists and that's what we try to teach the, the students as well mm. you mentioned the violence issue before and um you're now on the management committee of the family and mm. sexual violence case management mm-hmm. center which we're also working yes. on here and i just uh, wanted to ask you what motivated you to get involved with that project mm. yeah so um well one i'm really excited um about my role in um, the case management center uh on two levels. One, um, a personal level, because uh, growing up around me, I've, I've witnessed violence, one, in my own home, and um, two, in my community uh, and in family um, generally. And I've always known that it's it's been a huge, huge problem. Um, and even when I started The Voice, a lot of what motivated me to do it was my own personal experiences. And because I had people around me that believed in me and um, encouraged me, uh, it gave me, um, I guess, the freedom to allow me to not allow the negativity around me to be an excuse to not do well in life. Mm. Um, and I thought, what if everyone actually had like someone to just motivate them and just say, I believe in you and you can do it. You know, Don't look at now, but look to the future. Um, and I've seen that uh, that has been such a positive force in the, in the lives of our young people. And on sort of a, a more professional level, I think throughout all our programs, when we sit down and we share experiences in our sort of focus group discussions and we take the, the kids out for retreats, everyone, uh, if not all, like majority will talk about how, you know, um, they have seen or witnessed a violent situation and how that's like had huge um that had a huge effect and impact on their life especially it steals your confidence and it instills a fear inside you because if you can't stand up to an injustice that's happening right in front of you you talk about standing up for you know issues or political issues or anything else you're there's so much fear around so how do you break that fear and break that sort of culture of silence it starts by talking about it mm-hmm. so um i feel very very strongly about um the issues of domestic violence, and I think a lot of attention is put on, you know, women, um, but enough, not enough, I think, is put on the effects that it has on their children mm-hmm. and, and young men, especially growing up in uh, in violent situations, uh, and anything that does not only seek to advocate on the issue, but actually seeks to provide and connect and coordinate services around providing, you know, the safety nets that need to be there for the women. I, I am absolutely behind. So practical solutions, not only just advocacy, but mm. uh, being able to link people back to services um, has absolutely been a motivation uh, for me to be a part of the, yeah. the case management center. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on board with your experience working with young people. Mm. So um, the voice is now working in lay as well, right? Mm, absolutely, and that's actually for me. It's everything's just about um, you know the right timing and the right season, uh, and uh, to know that the voice is stepping you know into another province and lay, uh, and then to have CMC also based across there uh, is just perfect because now lay has become a, an area that we want to focus on and. I guess uh, do all that we can to help. So it's it's really exciting to be working across there. So how do you uh, see the voice going mm. forward now into mm. the future? What are the plans heading forward? Mm. That's a very good question. We've just um, actually reworked over our last board retreat um, a few weeks ago our mission statement, um, which we'll be launching uh, in July at our seventh, calling it celebrating seven, our seventh anniversary, uh, fundraising dinner back at home. Um, and there are three key areas now that we see ourselves, you know, sort of focusing on. Like one is, of course, our educational programs um, across the country with universities and high schools. Um, number two, we see ourselves also really being able to get into um, policy uh, and being able to um, focus on like being able to add value to sort of issues where um, 
that are affecting young people? How can we have better policy that deal with systemic and structural issues? Um, and three, of community projects. The voice also, we see ourselves getting more into media as well, because really media controls how people perceive things, um, the, the popular culture, what people hear. Um, and we feel that there's still a big need to have more positive things on the airwaves as well. So this year we're launching our teen magazine. Um, and uh, through a grant given by the, the U.S. Um, State Department, we were um, able to put together a, a teen magazine where young people write in what they think about, um, what they think the issues are. Uh, and we publish it through this magazine, but then we also talk about violence and other issues um, inside it. And it's just getting more positive things out there, showcasing great Papua New Guinean role models, which I don't think we hear enough about. We hear so much of the negativity. Mm -hmm. um, so we are going to be getting into that media space um, as well. We're going to be going throughout the country um, and we're hoping in the next uh, five, six years also be able to reach out into the region as well because the Pacific is a beautiful place with beautiful rich culture and values and has a lot to actually teach the world. So um, we're really excited to play our part in, in the great things that are already happening but specifically working with young people. Oh, fantastic. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate then going forward. <laughs> yeah, a lot. So first I had to get um, my Masters of Business out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, try to change the world. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds, it sounds like you're making some good steps. <laughs> yeah. Small but surely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for having a chat with us mm. and um, good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Pleasure. You have been listening to a podcast from the Development Policy Centre. For more information on our work, visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au. To join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific, and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org. At the blog, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all the latest updates or connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>